Hi, welcome to Summit Church. We are one church in multiple locations in Central Florida. We believe that your story, told truthfully, is good news to those who are near to God and those who are far from God. And no matter where you find yourself, you are welcome here. Join us in listening to this week's sermon. Hey, what's up, Summit? Michael here. So great to be with you. Uh, If this is your first time joining us, we're so grateful that you decided to tune in today. Man, we'd love for you to fill out uh, the Connect card uh, based on the QR code that's on your screen right now. We'd love the opportunity to connect with you and tell you more about why Summit Church is the place to be. Now, if you've been with us for some time, you know that whenever I'm here with you, I begin every message by saying that I would love to tell you more about why Summit Church is the place to be. And I don't say that because I think that we're better than any other church in our city. You see, we're not in the business of competing with other churches. We're in the business of getting as many people as possible to hear about the revolution truth of Jesus. And I say that because I fully believe without a reasonable doubt that this house, this church, with all of its beauties and flaws and everything else is still a place that you can belong long before you believe. This is a safe place for people from all walks of life to be inspired to find and follow the way of Jesus. I mean, take a look at this collection of baptisms from last year. You see, I love our deeply rooted passion and desire to reach the loss in this city and beyond. You know, I think about those 84 people who took the courageous step of faith by getting baptized last year. And my favorite part of it all was that across all of our campuses, alongside of our partnership with Global Church, we saw young, old, black, white, Asian, Latinx, single people, married people, parents, sons, and daughters come to identify with Jesus by getting baptized. And we will again be headed to the beach this spring to celebrate those that are taking that step of faith. Now, if that's something that you've been thinking about or praying about or feel ready, stay tuned in the coming weeks for how to get signed up. Here's what I want you to understand. Those stories that you just watched of those people taking that step of faith, they don't happen without the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And people like you, those stories don't happen without people who love them enough to invite them to church. Those stories don't happen without those who give their time and their talent and serve as as, as volunteers to the glory of God. Those stories don't happen without people who get on their knees and pray. It's why I am and I know that our, our, our board and our staff are excited about all that God's gonna do in and through our house, through Summit Church. And I'm already dreaming and praying about what God wants to do in your life for the people he will reveal to you who need him and how he will inspire us for his great mission. I know it's only January, but I'm already thinking about Easter services here at Summit. I know you think I'm crazy for doing so, but let me, let me just tell you why, okay? Easter is among the two easiest services to invite someone to church with you. Just like Christmas Eve, Easter tends to be the time when people, even those who have yet to say yes to Jesus, are willing to accept an invitation to church. Easter has also, as it turns out, shown to be an entry point for those who've been exploring faith in Jesus, but have yet to take that step to jump in. So I want to challenge you to begin thinking about who you would invite to join you, to watch with you, and start praying that God would provide you the opportunity to have a conversation and make that invitation. Now, 
You'll hear it a lot because I believe this to be true, that the hope of the world is Jesus Christ through the local church. There is no greater hope than the work that God is doing in the local church to reach the lost people and help found people grow closer to him. And we are deeply passionate about accomplishing that work before us in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, we desire to be a church that is deeply passionate about inspiring people to find and follow the way of Jesus. Now, you may have noticed how serious we are about that mission if you've been watching the last couple of weeks where we've been talking about it. We want to make it very clear about our end goal, what we hope to accomplish and who we are as a church. Now, I say that because you often see what a church is or isn't about um, with signs that you either read or interpret. Now, some signs on churches are, are pretty literal. Like some churches have these old school signs out in the front of their property and they will put these clever statements on them and to try to be all inter interesting, right? But some signs you see aren't posted on the street corners or, or maybe you see them on social media, but they are signs that you interpret it while you're checking them out. Church, churches often give off unspoken signs, very real signals you pick up that are unfortunate and tragic. Maybe you've, maybe you've walked into a church and you got the, who the heck are you and what are you doing here sign? Or perhaps the sign said, hey, your clothes don't fit our culture. Or maybe the sign you picked up on was your skin color is the wrong color for this place. Go somewhere where you might be more comfortable. Or maybe you had doubts about God. You had questions about faith. And maybe there were some things you read about Jesus that gave you pause. And when you went to meet with someone to help you to process those questions, you were met with the sign that basically read, don't bring your doubts here because we're already convinced. There's no room for your doubts and skepticism here. Well, I am here to tell you today that there will only ever be one sign on the doors of this church and it will simply say, welcome. Like it doesn't matter how young or old you are, you are welcome here. It doesn't matter how much money you have, what kind of car you drive, what, what type of house you live in or what part of the town you are from, you are welcome here. It doesn't matter what your skin color is or how big you are, how strong you are, how smart you are, how physically limited you are, you are welcome here. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past or how many mistakes or failures you have racked up, you are welcome here. And it doesn't matter what is going on in your current situation, how desperate you may feel, how broken you may feel, or how lonely you may feel. Hear me, you are welcome here. I want you to understand this church is for everyone. Now, I'm not saying something that's new and profound. I mean, this concept comes from the inception of the early church. We see in the New Testament at the formation of the church, one of the disciples of Jesus named Peter, he gets up in front of this crowd in attendance that day, literally thousands of people, people who were spiritually wandering. And here's what he says to them. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, in a letter written to Jesus followers living in Rome, the apostle Paul reminded them that this truth wasn't exclusive, but inclusive. He writes, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Now, Paul confirms again that the church is supposed to be for everyone. 
It's not only for some people. It's not only for a few people. It's not only for the privileged people. You see, this gospel is for everyone. Peter writes in his letter, he says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some may think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Now, do you see that emerging theme? The scriptures couldn't be clear that God's heart and house are for everyone. And let me tell you, the enemy of God, Satan, he does not like what's happening in this church. If you truly think about it, what is happening across our campuses and in our ministries is not supposed to happen, especially at a time when our nation is fractured and divided. And there are simmering underlying tensions across social, political, and spiritual spectrums. But here at Summit, we have a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church where people of all different ethnicities are worshiping next to other ethnicities who are worshiping next to young, who are worshiping next to old. And I'm telling you, that is offensive to Satan. But I also tell you, it's so reflective of the heart of God. One of the things I absolutely love about this house, this church, is that for 22 years, Summit has worked incredibly hard to resist the culture that divides and is passionate about creating and sustaining a culture that unites under the shared work of God's kingdom. I love that we are not a divisive culture-driven church, but we are a kingdom-united-driven church. And if there's one thing you need to take away from today's message, it's this. A church for everyone makes room for anyone. A church for everyone makes room for anyone because a church that is not for everyone everywhere isn't a church for anyone anywhere. In the third book of the New Testament called Luke, the writer, Luke himself, records a moment when Jesus is at this dinner party, okay, at a house of a religious leader. And this person was a big deal in, in this time frame. And Jesus is sitting at the table and he's eating dinner with all of these invited guests at this big deal religious leader. And something wild happens. Here's what it says. It says, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Now, another translation reads, a woman of the city who was a sinner. Let's say nice, but not so nice way of saying that she was a prostitute. She hears that Jesus will be at this house. And so she decides to show up. Now, in this time period for her being who she was to show up at this religious leader's house and walk right on in would have been an absolute no-no. But like she didn't care that she was breaking cultural rules. All she knew was that Jesus was there and she needed to see him. Now she brought with her an expensive jar of perfume. How expensive? Well, that jar of perfume was worth an entire year's of salary for that time period. It was 300 denarii, which in today's American dollar would have been worth $54,509. The story continues on. Then she knelt behind him at his feet. Weeping, her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Now, her being in the presence of Jesus is emotionally overwhelming. And she's crying so much that her tears are moisturizing Jesus's feet. She had no towel, so she wipes his feet with her hair. And she doesn't care about the religious pretense in the room because she's desperate and nothing breaks to pretension like desperation. 
I mean, she wasn't invited. She wasn't on the guest list. She wasn't among the accepted and she didn't care. The story continues on. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Do you hear the arrogance and pride in that statement? I mean, let me tell you, I've listened to many people who have said they have encountered this in the church. I've experienced this from a time or two in the church myself. You see, we who are already in the church can easily forget that the church was never meant to be a country club for good people, but a hospital for sinners. I remember my friend Rusty, my friend and mentor, talking about the best compliment he ever gotten about, a, about the church that he was leading. It came from someone who had just left the church. And when a friend of that person who had just left the church asked, why did you leave the church? That person responded, there were too many non-Christians that go there. I love that story because I believe the church should never be a place where we say publicly or even privately that those people don't belong here. You see, what I find interesting, and and if I'm being honest, is we're all guilty of it. Like we like the kind of brokenness that you can hide, the one that you can put on the mask and act like life is cookies and cream and never let anyone see the real you, yet we'll be the first ones to judge the kind of brokenness you can't hide. We're always quick with the stones to cast on others, yet we'll cry, we'll cry foul when others are ready to throw stones at us. Now, with that in mind, and at this moment, Jesus tells this Pharisee a story. He says, a man loaned money uh, to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to another, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose that the one from whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Now, this next part is key. Jesus says, or Jesus does. Then he turns to the woman and he says to Simon. He turns to the woman and says to Simon. Did you catch how he turned his face towards the woman, but he gave his correction to the religious leader? Look at this woman, Jesus says. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, uh, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Let me tell you, that was an indictment. <laughs> In that period of the world, what Jesus said would have been akin to a tongue lashing in today's world. Now, Jesus is going to speak directly to this woman now. He says, then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? So the people in the house are like, who's this dude? Who gave him the right to forgive people's sins? Isn't that Joseph's boy? That boy crazy, right? They were all up in arms because before Jesus, they were the ones whom people came to seek solace from. But then Jesus shows up and was doing what they thought the Messiah would do, but shockingly, not for the people they thought he would do it for. I mean, think about it, think about it this way. It can be jarring when, for as long as you've known, you've been a part of the it crowd, right? Like you were the most important people in the room, whatever room that you were in. 
But when the most important person actually walks in the room and the first person he looks for isn't the most popular, but the least popular, that can be hard to swallow. The religious leaders were the cool, most influential people. Then Jesus comes along and they're like, why doesn't Jesus want to hang out with us? And Jesus is like, I'm actually going to go hang out with the drunk people, with the forgotten people, with the lepers, with the tax collectors and the sinners. I'm going to go chill with them because in God's church, there is no velvet rope that excludes people. Let me show you this image of this house. Now, this is a house in Meadow Woods in South Orlando. It's a lovely house on sale for $815,000, which in my mind feels very expensive for the area. But if you were to put this very same house in Valencia, California, where we just moved from, it would likely go for over $2 million, if not more. Now, I show you that to explain that the value is determined by what someone is willing to pay for something. And according to Jesus, you and I have never locked eyes with someone who doesn't matter to God, who wasn't extremely valuable in the eyes of their creator. You've heard me quote this verse a lot recently, but it really sums up our value to God. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, you and I will look at people and sometimes believe they're not worth garage sale prices, right? But God will look at them and believe that they, me, you are worth the life of his one and only son. That's how valuable you are to God. Now, I don't know where you are today in relation to God, whether you love God, hate God, love the church or hate the church. But I know that if your picture of God is anything less than that of a God who loves you, you've got the wrong picture. His love is for everyone, including you. Now, if you call some at home, can I tell you that the mission we get to be a part of to inspire people far from God to find and follow the way of Jesus, not through coercion, not through bait and switch, but by simply telling them the good news that God so loved them, he gave his only son for them. And when you believe the church is for everyone, you will make room for anyone. Listen, we will never be a place that puts up signs that say, keep out. This is a place for everyone. You can belong here long before you believe what we believe. So in light of that, anything and everything short of sin is on the table for us to inspire people, your people, those people in your life that you know, you have no doubts that they don't know the real Jesus. We will do whatever it takes to inspire them to find and follow the way of Jesus. This place is for you. Now, if you've called some at home and you've been here for some time to a long time and you said yes to following Jesus, I want you to know we will do all we can to inspire you to follow the way of Jesus. And I want to ask you to do something, a little, a little homework assignment, okay? This is going to be important for next week. I want to ask you to begin praying and asking God for four names, four names of people who are consistently showing up in your life that you know aren't following Jesus. Ask God to reveal who those four names are and hang on to them for next week, okay? I want you to know that this place is for you. If you've been attending Summit, but have yet to make that commitment because you've still got questions, you're still wrestling with the truth of who Jesus is and what he stood for. He's trying to figure out if this is a safe place for you to find and follow the way of Jesus. Know that the sign we hope that you find every time you show up to watch with us is welcome home.
And maybe you're watching right now and you would say, I want to be a part of this place, but I, I first want to follow Jesus. I want to put my yes on the table to following Jesus for the rest of my life. Well, can I tell you, it's as simple, it's not easy, but it's as simple as saying, admitting that you need Jesus, that, that, that your life apart from Jesus isn't the life you should be living. Believing that Jesus is the son of God, that he went to the cross and died for you and choosing today to say yes to him all the days of your life. Can I tell you, if you made that decision today, all of heaven rejoices and so do we at Summit. And we would love to come alongside of you as you begin to take this step of faith, finding and following the way of Jesus. Jesus, we're so grateful for you. Grateful that you created a space and a place for everyone, for everyone to, to be a part of, to wrestle with your truth, Jesus. So Lord, would you empower us as a church to remove unnecessary barriers that would keep people from knowing the beautiful and glorious transformative truth of following your way, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name and the house said, Thank you for listening with us today. You can also watch our video services on YouTube or at summitconnect.org. And check out our show notes to link to our website and follow us on social media. Now go in God's grace and peace. We hope you join us next time.